0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio, Network. Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network with your boy Trey Larkers on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter. At Wise Guys underscore H. also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. We are live here on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Man, I had a great weekend. It was Labor Day weekend. You know, everybody looks at Labor Day weekend. It's kind of like that last holiday before we head into the fall season. So I had a great Labor Day weekend. hope everybody else had a great Labor Day weekend as well. We had some nice and great college football on display Saturday afternoon. We saw Georgia beat down the Oregon Ducks in Athens on Saturday. Then I saw saw a great matchup, too, between Notre Dame and O-State. O-State ended up winning that game. But Notre Dame definitely battled. In that game, they control most of the game. But when we got into the fourth quarter, C.J. Stroud showed why he is universally recognized as one of the best quarterbacks we have in college football. So they t- took care of business. So you got Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. Roll Tide! All three of those teams took care of business on Saturday. You know, we got an exciting college football season ahead of us. I mean, a lot of people think it's going to either be Ohio State, Alabama, or Georgia. And in, in, in the, in the betting odds are Ohio State, Georgia, or Alabama, or the field. So that's the, the betting odds right now. But everybody know I'm excited because we are here. NFL Week 1 is upon us. We got the Thursday night matchup. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are traveling to the West Coast to take on Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams the defending Super Bowl champs. 8:20 kickoff. I'm going to be on Thursday night, but I'm going to be getting off early because I'm so excited for my NFL football that's going to be back. So I'm excited about that. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. It's the number of the Dow. Question of the day, who is going to win the NFC North and who will win the, the AFC South? I have Mike Patton. He's the host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. He's going to be on Wise Guys tonight. He's going to come on and break down his predictions for the AFC South this season. So I'm going to have Mike Patton on a little bit later on the show, but I'm going to preview the NFC North. I'm going to also talk about the Denver Broncos. They reached a new contract extension with new quarterback, Russell Wilson. So I know Denver Broncos fans are excited about that. And also later on the show, we're going to talk about You know, the NFC North and break down my predictions for the NFC North because my Green Bay Packers reside in NFC North. And a lot of people think that the Packers don't take a step back, but we'll get into that here in a bit. But we're going to begin tonight in the NBA as the Cleveland Cavaliers. They traded for Donovan Mitchell. This happened on Thursday. So in the deal, the Utah Jazz, they received marketing. Abazi, and then Colin Sexton, who they agreed to a four-year, $72 million new deal, and they got three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, they brought in Donovan Mitchell, and most people are talking about the New York Knicks, as the Knicks, they walked away from trade talks for Donovan Mitchell on Monday night. This is reported by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, and the trade with the Cavaliers and the Jazz went down on Thursday night. So, when you talk about who won this trade between the Utah Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers, before I even get to the Utah Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers, I want to talk about the New York Knicks real quick because I think the Knicks were the biggest losers in all of this. Because we were told for many, many weeks that it was a great possibility that Donovan Mitchell would be. Bringing his talents to New York and teaming up with Julius Randle, and they just in free agency recently picked up Jalen Brunson, and I was excited because Donovan Mitchell is from that region. He grew up in that area, and I believe he would have embraced playing at Madison Square Garden just the same way Carmelo Anthony did. You know, some players they are built to play in major markets like the. LA like the New York likes the Miamis and you know the Dallas and I believe Donovan Mitchell is the caliber of player that was built to play in New York City and the New York Knicks fan base they were thirsty for a star franchise player that they can build their team around and when you look at Donovan Mitchell as a player so far in his career he's averaged 24 points per game on 44% shooting. I believe Donovan Mitchell is one of the best young players we have in the NBA. And he's not as great as Dwayne Wade was, but Donovan Mitchell is a great slasher. He can get to the rim. He can hit his mid-range shots. He's also a decent perimeter shooter. And so I believe if you bring in a Donovan Mitchell, you can have a star that can go out and recruit another star to come to New York and play with him. And I believe the New York Knicks made a mistake not bringing in Donovan Mitchell here because when other stars look at the New York Knicks, who on this New York Knicks team stands out for another star to want to come play with? R.J. Barrett, I like his promise. He had a great season last year. He had averaged 20 points per game last year, but he's not no star. Julius Randle, on a championship team, he's a third option. At best, and then you look at the rest of their team Mitchell Robinson, Evan Fourier, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin. You look at this Knicks roster who on their roster, if you're a superstar, would make you want to come play with them? Who somebody tell me? And this is why I believe the New York Knicks made a mistake. When you talk about New York Knicks management, Leon Rose, they made a mistake here because they had an opportunity. To bring in not a superstar, but a star in Donovan Mitchell, to be able to help them recruit another superstar to come to New York to play with Donovan Mitchell. So, general manager Scott Perry, Leon Rose, I think they made a mistake here, not trading Donovan Mitchell for trading for Donovan Mitchell and bringing him to the Big Apple and play, you know, in, in Madison Square Garden. I think this was a mistake. I think this is going to be something that the New York Knicks will regret again. I think Donovan Mitchell would have been a stepping stone in the right direction for the Knicks organization because he would have been able to recruit other marquee free agents to come to New York to play alongside him and possibly be formidable in the Eastern Conference. So I think they dropped the ball here. Like I said, before I even get to the Utah Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers, I got to call out the New York Knicks organization tonight. Scott Perry, Leon Rose made a mistake. They should have traded for Donovan Mitchell because you look at their roster now. I don't believe this is a team right now as currently constructed is a playoff team. If you bring in Donovan Mitchell and you have Donovan Mitchell paired up with a Julius Randle and a Jalen Brunson, I think that's a team that can, that's a playoff team in the East. I think that's a team that can compete for a playoff spot. No, they're not a top four or five seed in the Easter conference, but they would be a playoff team with Donovan Mitchell on their roster. But now the best player on this team right now is Julius Randle. And he's not a true number one option. And he's not even a number one option on a playoff contender, let alone a championship contender. So I think they dropped the ball. I look at this team now, Jalen Brunson. I thought they overpaid for Jalen Brunson, but I like Jalen Brunson. I like I-, I like some of his skills that he put on display in Dallas, playing alongside Luca in that Dallas Mavericks system. But now when I look at the New York Knicks, my expectations for the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks are going to be a playoff team next year in the East. And I think they made a mistake not trading for Donovan Mitchell. Everybody gonna follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Now, I want to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers as they acquired Donovan Mitchell and what it means for them moving forward. I like the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers have a dynamic backcourt now with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Last year, I was impressed with Darius Garland I thought Darius Garland was the best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers team last year Darius Garland in his third season he averaged 22 points per game of 46% shooting from the floor nine assists per game so I thought he was a dynamic point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers you bring in a dynamic score like a Donovan Mitchell I like that backcourt from a scoring perspective now defensively I think they're going to struggle Because Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, they are not to be confused with key defensive players on championship teams. That's not how they play as players, and that's not the strength that they are as players. They are offensive players who can score the ball at a high level. So when I look at this Cleveland Cavaliers team now, you look at their starting lineup. They got Darius Garland at the one. You got Donovan Mitchell at the two. You got Isaac Okoro at the three. At the four, you got... Evan Mobley, who had a great rookie season last year. And then you got Jared Allen, who was a great rim protector. I think this is a solid starting five for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Cleveland Cavaliers now, their expectation should be to be a playoff team. With Donovan Mitchell, you cannot be a team that misses the playoffs. you got to be a playoff team come April, May, and June with Donovan Mitchell. And I believe now they could be a five or six seed in the East. Are they better than the Brooklyn Nets? No. Are they better than the Boston Celtics? No. Are they better than the Milwaukee Bucks? No. But some of those other teams in the East, like the Atlanta Hawks, like the Philadelphia 76ers, like the Chicago Bulls, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers can compete against those teams. Now, the Miami Heat, I think that's a debate. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Miami Heat right now are equivalent because I know how great Jimmy Butler is. And Bam out of Bayou is a nice real protector down there in Miami. And they are well coached. Eric Sposter is arguably the best coach in the NBA. And they got Pat Riley up there in the front office. The Miami Heat organization is one of the best organizations we have in the NBA. So I think when you look at the Heat and the Cavs, They're on the same level, but some of those other teams in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Chicago Bulls, you know, Atlanta Hawks, I would would consider taking the Cleveland Cavaliers over them right now. We don't know which James Harden is going to show up next year once the basketball season starts. With the Chicago Bulls, Lonzo Ball is injury-prone. And he's dealing with a lot of nagging injuries right now. So I can't believe in the Chicago Bulls. I love Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan as a duo. But you're going to need Lonzo Ball if you're going to be a true contender in the Eastern Conference. And even at the Atlanta Hawks. They got to the playoffs last year, but they got smoked by the Miami Heat in the first round. They still got Trey Young, who I like. I I, I like Trey Young because he's one of the greatest shooters that we have in the NBA. Resembles a lot of Steph Curry's game. Being able to pull up Soon as he passes half court, but like I said, I don't I don't look at that Atlanta Hawks team as being a superior team over the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. I see a lot of people that's saying, "Well, what was the point of this move? Like, this was a terrible move by the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're not going to be significantly better than you were without Donovan Mitchell. Like, you're not going to be better this year with him than you were without him." I 100% disagree, and one of the main reasons why I disagree is because Cleveland is not a destination that marquee free agents want to go and play in. It's not Miami. It's not LA. It's not the bright lights of New York City. It's not Dallas and that no state income tax. It's Cleveland. It gets cold right around October, November, December, January, February. It gets cold in Cleveland. There ain't no marquee free agents but that's not named LeBron James that's signing up to go and play in Cleveland. So I believe for the Cleveland Cavaliers to improve as a team, you have to make these type of trades to improve your roster. This is why I have no issue with the Cleveland Cavaliers trading for Donovan Mitchell because you were a better basketball team Thursday when you acquired Donovan Mitchell than you were Wednesday before you had Donovan Mitchell. So I have no issue with the Cleveland Cavaliers trading for Donovan Mitchell. Everybody's saying, well, they're not going to be true championship contenders. This was a step in the right direction. You're not going to get a marquee free agent who is a superstar to go to Cleveland and play. It's just not going to happen. Only LeBron James was going to go and sign up back in Cleveland because he knew he had unfinished business once he left Miami. And he's the only superstar that would ever sign in Cleveland. No one wants to be in Cleveland up there in that cold. Give me a break. Everybody go and follow wise guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore weights. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys. Instagram these guys know sports. Do you believe the Cleveland Cavaliers improve their team with the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell? Call him to the show. 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Don't forget, I'm going to also have Mike Patton. He's the host of the tour of the AMC South podcast. On the show, here in a bit, we're going to preview the AFC South. And who do we believe is going to be the favorites in the AFC South? But we're going to preview the NFC North at this moment in the show. So when you look at the NFC North, this was the standings from last year. The Packers, they won the NFC North with a 13-4 record. The Minnesota Vikings, they finished the season 8-9. The Bears, they were 6-11. And the Detroit Lions were the Detroit Lions. They finished 313 and one. So you look at the Vegas odds and their expectations for the NFC North. The NFC North, this is Vegas odds. They have the Packers winning the NFC North. Go, pack, go once again. And then you got the Vikings at plus 225. You got the Lions at plus 900. And you got the Bears at a plus 1500. Let me read those again. You got the Packers at a minus 60. They are the favorites to win the NFC North. You got the Vikings at a plus 225 in second place. Lions plus 900. Bears plus 1500. Well, look at the NFC North. Let's start off with the Green Bay Packers, the team that has dominated the NFC North. They have, in the last 10 years, the Packers have won the NFC North seven of those 10 years. Also, the Packers have won NFC North three straight years. And under Matt LaFleur, the Packers are 39 and 10. So, so far in Matt LaFleur's young coaching career, the Green Bay Packers have been the best team in the NFC North. And the, the other team has been the, you know, realistic competition because we don't take the Bears or the Lions serious. The only realistic competition for the Packers has been the Minnesota Vikings. That's why I'm so excited for Sunday's matchup in Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers. And the Green Bay Packers are traveling to Minnesota to take on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I can't wait for it. I'm going to break down that game on Thursday night show for my, for my wise picks of the week. But in the NFC North, Vegas has the Packers over-under at 11 11 and a half. The only games that the Packers are underdogs in this year are in week three at Tampa and Week 8 at Buffalo. Those are the only two games the Packers are considered underdogs this season so when I look at the Green Bay Packers it's a new day in Green Bay normally in years previous when I talked about the Green Bay Packers I always led with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense because they had the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams so when you talk about best quarterback receiver duos in the NFL Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Tom Brady, Mike Evans. The best quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL for the last four years has been Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So every time I talk about the Green Bay Packers, I always talk about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in their offense before I get to the defense, because the offense has been the strength of the team. But not this year. The strength and the weakness of the team has reversed the defense is the strength of the Packers team this year and that's why I'm so excited as a Packers fan we all know defense wins championships offense sells tickets and so when you look at this Packers defense they are led that defensive coordinator Joe Berry in his second year I like what Joe Barry did last year I have my questions about Joe Barry heading into last season But he proved me wrong, and I had to give him credit as the season went along last year because the Packers were top 10 defense in the NFL last year. You look at the Packers' secondary. They probably have the best secondary in the NFL. You got Jair Alexander, who's an all-pro. You got Eric Stokes. You got Rasul Douglas, who you re-signed in free agency. So I love the Packers' secondary. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas. Best secondary in the NFL. In the back end, you still got Adrian Amos. You still got Darnell Savage. And then at the linebacker spot, they re-signed Devondre Campbell in free agency. They drafted Quay Walker out of Georgia, who I love. And I think he's going to make a tremendous impact immediately this year. He's going to be impactful immediately once the season starts. They got great pass rushers in Rashawn Gary. And Preston Smith, up front you still got Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. They got Devontae Wyatt, who was also out of Georgia, who I believe is going to make an impact on this defense. And then you brought in Jaron Reed in free agency. I'm telling y'all right now on Wise Guy Sports on the Worldwide Sports Network, the Packers will have a top five defense in the NFL. I'm saying it right now, the Packers will have a top five defense in the NFL this season. So I love our defense. I love the moves that the Packers organization made in free agency. And I love the draft, bringing in a Quay Walker, a dynamic linebacker who can make plays on your defense, and a Devontae Wyatt, who some people have compared to Warren Sapp. I love this defense. It is going to be an elite defense. And this has not always been the case in Green Bay. For many, many years, Aaron Rodgers has had to carry the Green Bay Packers. Not this year. They got an elite defense. And I believe at the beginning of the season, while the Packers offense with their unproven receiving core is trying to get into a rhythm and get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, I think it's going to be the Packers defense that's going to help them in the early part of the season be able to win games. Now, let's go to the Packers offense. Offensively, they are led by the great Aaron Rodgers, the undisputed best quarterback in the NFL. He's the back-to-back NFL MVP, and last year, these were Aaron Rodgers' statistical numbers last year: 37 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 4,115 passing yards, he completed 69% of his passes. Just another Great season at the office for the great Aaron Rodgers. Like 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. I know some quarterbacks who have thrown four interceptions in a single game. Aaron Rodgers only had four interceptions in an entire season. He's also the only player in NFL history with five seasons of at least 35 passing touchdowns. Only player in NFL history with five seasons of at least 35 passing touchdowns. And so one thing about Aaron Rodgers is we know that he's going to have the Packers in a position to compete for a Super Bowl year in and year out. But for Aaron Rodgers, and this is, as, this is me coming as an analyst and a fan, it's all about the postseason. All about the postseason. There is no excuse for Aaron Rodgers to not have the Green Bay Packers back into the Super Bowl picture this season. It's a shame. That the great Aaron Rodgers has not only won one Super Bowl, but only has one Super Bowl on his resume. It's a shame. And as great as Aaron Rodgers he is, this is me being taking all biases out of it. Aaron Rodgers needs to win another Super Bowl. It has to happen. I think, as a talent, Aaron Rodgers is the top five quarterback of all time. I really, really do. I believe that. I think when you look at Aaron Rodgers and how he's performed, I think Aaron Rodgers is better than Peyton Manning. I know everybody got the perception out there, and they talk about Peyton Manning, and I love Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was an all-time great. Peyton Manning won five NFL MVPs, and Peyton Manning is a two-time Super Bowl champion. But if you look at Peyton Manning's playoff numbers, Aaron Rodgers has better playoff numbers than Peyton Manning. Aaron Rodgers has less interceptions thrown than Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers has a higher completion percentage than Peyton Manning, so I think when you look at their careers in totality, Aaron Rodgers is better than Peyton Manning. I've been I've been screaming this for years, but everybody loves Peyton Manning, so nobody wants to talk about this. We Aaron, we love Peyton Manning, so I, don't you dare say that Aaron Rodgers is better than Peyton Manning's rate because a lot of y'all out there don't like Aaron Rodgers. Y'all don't like my quarterback. I understand Aaron Rodgers is 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 one of those. Individuals that he's arrogant, you know. He, he's arrogant and he he's uh, he's aloof, as they say. So I understand why some people get rubbed the wrong way by Aaron Rodgers. But it is undeniable how great of a quarterback Aaron Rodgers has been in his career. i me give you somebody else. Aaron Rodgers is better than him. he's better than Drew Brees. Drew Brees has never won an NFL VP at any point in his career. Also, in the postseason, Drew Brees didn't have the success that Aaron Rodgers has had in his career. He has it. So Aaron Rodgers is better than both Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. But I think the standard that we hold Aaron Rodgers to is similar to the standard that we hold LeBron James to. Like, we saw LeBron James so many years get to the NBA Finals. I think LeBron had, like, nine straight NBA Finals appearances, and he didn't win all of those Finals appearances. He lost a lot of those Finals. So we hold it against LeBron, not realizing getting to an NBA Finals is hard enough. That is already difficult getting to the NBA Finals. But we always judge LeBron because he came up short in the NBA Finals. It's the same thing that happens with Aaron Rodgers. Same exact thing. Aaron Rodgers has been to multiple NFC Championship games in his career. He's only won one NFC Championship game. And I agree that in the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers has not played his best football. But folks walk around here and they pretend like Aaron Rodgers has been awful in the NFC Championship, and that's just not the case. But he's getting to the NFC Championship. If other quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, like a Ryan Tannehill, like a Phillip Rivers, if they were getting to multiple conference championship games, we would be looking at them in a different way And giving them credit for getting to a conference championship. But because it's Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is judged on a different standard, we always criticize Aaron Rodgers for losing in the NFC Championship game. It comes with the territory of being greatness. That's what it comes with. But offensively, when you look at the Green Bay Packers, I love the running back duo with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think that's the best running back duo in the NFL. I think that is the strength of their offense especially considering they got a lot of unproven skill position players. You're going to have to rely on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon a lot this season. Not only running the football, but they're going to be expected to catch the ball out of the backfield as well. I think Aaron Jones is going to have a great season, not only running the football, but also being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a, a matchup nightmare for opposing defensive coordinators. So I like their running back duo with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. You look at the receivers, they're unproven. They're unproven. You look at Alan Lazard. He's dealing with an undisclosed injury right now, but hopefully at some point he returns and he can play. I hope he's in the lineup this week against Minnesota. I hope it's nothing serious. But you look at their receiving court, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, he's injury prone. Randall Cobb is at the end of his career Father Time is undefeated. He's a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers, though. Like, I believe Randall Cobb is one of those players that's very few that Aaron Rodgers actually trusts. We know he trusted Jordy Nelson. He trusted James Jones. He trusted Devontae Adams. He trusts Randall Cobb. So Randall Cobb is a reliable target in this Packers offense. But Randall Cobb is over the hill, and we have to see what he has left in the tank. You got Amari Rodgers. He had a disappointing rookie season. He only had like four receptions for 45 receiving yards. So he had a disappointing rookie season last year. So he's going to be expected to improve in his sophomore season. You got rookies in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson who are unproven. And they're going to have to play well in order for the Packers to meet expectations and win the NFC North. You're going to have to have great seasons, from Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I like Romeo Dobbs. I've been hearing a lot about Romeo Dobbs up there in Green Bay and how he has had a tremendous training camp. And he was, he was pretty good also in preseason action with Jordan Love. If he's doing good with Jordan Love, imagine what he could do with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. I love the Packers offensive line. Once they get back David Bocciari and Elton Jenkins, I believe the Green Bay Packers offensive line will be one of the best in the NFL. Now, David Battiari, he already announced that it's a good chance he's going to play in week one against the Minnesota Vikings. So he's, he said he's good to go. L. Jenkins, he's still rehabbing from a season-ending injury last year. So if they can get back L. Jenkins and David Battiari to of their best offensive linemen on this team, they're going to be in good shape. you got Josh Myers at center, John Royan at guard, Jake Hampton as well. So I like the Packers offensive line. The biggest question for the Green Bay Packers is going to be the unproven skill position players. If someone can step up in this Packers offense and be a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers will be just fine because the defense is going to be a top five defense in the NFL. I got him on my fantasy team, so I'm definitely excited about that. And you got the best Colts in the NFC North in Matt LaFleur leading your team, and you got Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, I think they'll be just fine. This is an interesting stat about Aaron Rodgers before we move on and talk about the Minnesota Vikings. This was a post that i seen. It was a question that says, which happens first for Rodgers? Will he throw 500 touchdowns or finally throw 100 interceptions? He currently has 449 touchdowns and 93 interceptions. Which one is going to happen first? Will it be 500 touchdowns or 100 interceptions? Crazy to think, ain't it? Like, that's a five to one touchdown interception ratio for his career. The dude is transcendent at the quarterback position. Now, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings and my expectations for the Minnesota Vikings. The over under with the win toes for the Minnesota Vikings. Are nine and a half. Oh, real quick, real quick before I move on, talk about Minnesota. Over under for the Green Bay Packers, 11 and a half. I'm rolling with the over. You need go pack, go. I'm not going to roll with the under. I'm rolling with the over. Go pack, go. Packers will be 12 and five at worst. At worst, they'll be 12 and five. So I'm going with the over and the over under win totals for the Green Bay Packers. Now, Minnesota, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Over under for the Minnesota Vikings is at nine and a half. They are led by new head coach. Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell in his career, he is an offensive guy. I mean, last year he was at the LA Rams, he was the offensive coordinator. Then a year before that, he was the offensive coordinator in Washington, and he was also the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. So, he he knows his offense. That's that's his expertise. And I think now that he is the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, I believe this is going to help Kirk Cousins. I think one of the main issues with the Minnesota Vikings in previous years has been Mike Zimmer was the head coach in previous years. Mike Zimmer is a defensive mind. That's his number one expertise as a head coach. That's his his strength. That's what he knows. I don't think Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins had the best relationship when Zimmer was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think they had the, the best relationship. And I think that was a part of the reason why the Minnesota Vikings were inconsistent. They were inconsistent. We all know they had, they got talent. They got talent and they got a good quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is not elite, but Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I mean, last year, Kirk Cousins, he had 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 4,221 passing yards, quarterback rating 103.1. So I look at Kirk Cousins as being a good quarterback. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. If things go your way in a playoff run, I really really do. I look at Kirk Cousins as being on the same level as a Derek Carr, as a Dak Prescott, you know, on a good day, a Ryan Tannehill. I look at Kirk Cousins as being on that same level. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, and Derek Carr are all better than Ryan Tannehill. I know everybody be like, why you be throwing Ryan Tannehill in here? I think Ryan Tannehill at his best on some days is good. He's good. And I think Kirk Cousins is that caliber of quarterback. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I love the Minnesota Vikings skill position players. You got Justin Jefferson, a top 10 receiver in the NFL. You got Adam Thielen, who I believe is the best second option at when it comes to receivers on his team. Like when you look at the NFL and second receivers on their team. Adam Thielen is the best second receiver you could possibly have on your team. You got KJ Osborne. At tight end, you got Irv Smith Jr. And then at running back, you got Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the NFL. He can also catch the ball out of the backfield. So I like the Minnesota Vikings skill position players. They got better skill position players than the Packers do. Running back is up for debate. Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones. You probably I probably would say that Dalvin Cook is better than Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is a dynamic duo. The difference between the Packers and the Vikings is the Packers have a significant upgrade at quarterback with Aaron Rodgers compared to the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. But I like the Minnesota Vikings offense. At center, you got Garrett, Bradbury, right guard Ed Ingram, right tackle Brian O'Neill, left tackle Christian Saul. They got a decent offensive line. Decent offensive line. Nothing that's great, but they're decent. They're decent. Now you look at the Minnesota Vikings defense. And their defense is led by defensive coordinator Ed Donaldson. And defensively, they got Dalvin Thomason as a pass rusher. You got Harrison Phillips at nose tackle. Daniel Hunter, who's been a nice pass rusher in this Vikings defense. Their linebackers are really, really nice. With Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, they've signed it's a Darius Smith, former Packer in free agency. Let's see what he has left in the tank. Defensive backs are average. You got Patrick Peterson. Want to still see what he has left in the tank. Harrison Smith is a nice safety in their back end. So I like this Minnesota Vikings team. I really, really do. I look at their over under. I think it's going to go under though. I, nine and a half, I would say the Minnesota Vikings finished literally right there at nine and a half. I would say they finished nine and eight. I got them being one game better this year than they were last year. I got them finishing nine and eight. Like I I like their team, but it's not a team that's a a team that wows me. I'm not. I'm not like sitting up here like man, they got one of the best rosters in the NFL. I like their roster. It's a good roster. It's not a great roster. So I got them finishing nine and eight, and if they exceed expectations, they could possibly finish ten and seven or eleven and six, give or take. Everybody go and follow wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow WiseGuys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. Let's transition. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears and my expectations for the Chicago Bears. They're over under a six and a half games. So they brought in new head coach, Matt Eberfloss. And Matt Eberfloss, he is a defensive guy. He previously was a defensive coordinator. With the Colts for three years he also was a linebackers coach in Dallas he was a linebackers coach in Cleveland so he has some college experience as well on his resume so Eber Floss is a defensive guy right I look at this Chicago Bears offense they're led by Justin Fields I like Justin Fields I thought when he was at the Ohio State University, Justin Fields was sensational. Let me look at his college numbers, 67 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He completed 68% of his passes. So I thought he was a great quarterback at Ohio State. And then last year in his rookie season, he wasn't impressive, but I saw flashes of Justin Fields. And I said, okay, I could see the ceiling being high for Justin Fields because he has high potential. Last year, he only had seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He had 1,870 passing yards. I said he should have been the day one starter last year, week one. Matt Nagy was the head coach of the Chicago Bears. It was a mess in Chicago last year. I know Bears fans in the Windy City are sick and tired of the Chicago Bears not meeting expectations. I mean, Chicago is a football town. I know Michael Jordan won six NBA championships for the Chicago Bulls. But make no mistake about it. Chicago is a football town. It's not a basketball town. It's a football town. I think about the Chicago Bears in the like 60s and 70s with Mike Dicker, and they had so many great teams, you know, back in the day with Walter Payton. And then even, you know, with in the years when the Chicago Bears had horrible quarterback play like Rex Grossman, they always had a solid defense. They always had nice linebackers like Brian Urlacher, like Lance Briggs. They always was a team that exceeded expectations even in spite of having terrible quarterback play. They've had terrible quarterbacks in this organization. So, I think when you look at Justin Fields, Chicago Bears fans need to be happy that they have Justin Fields now because you can really build your team around Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields has the potential to be one of the best young quarterbacks that we have in the NFL. We talk about Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. I think when Justin Fields learns the quarterback position, because that's what you have to do when you're a rookie and in your sophomore season, you have to learn how to be an NFL quarterback. Once he learns the NFL, I believe Justin Fields, can be a quarterback that the Chicago Bears can build around for future seasons to come in Chicago. I think they can build around him for the next 20 years. I really, really believe in Justin Fields. So I want to get that out there. I like Justin Fields a lot, and I think he has tremendous promise. But I don't like his skill position players that he's going to be throwing the ball to. They got Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, Velvet Jones Jr., Cole Kinnett. I mean, who are these dudes? I don't like his skill position players at all. They let go of Allen Robinson in free agency. I like their running back in David Montgomery. He is a Cincinnati native. Shout out to David Montgomery. I'm hoping he have a great season this year. David, come on the show if you want to on Wise Guy Sports, man. I like David Montgomery a lot in their backfield, but I don't like his skill position players. And in the offensive line, I think is, is a big question mark. They got Lucas Patrick, they got Tevian Jenkins, Riley Reef. I mean, they're okay. They're decent. In free agency, they brought in equanimous St. Brown. He's a former Green Bay Packer. So the Bears, they always seem to figure out a way to sign players that the Packers no longer want. I mean, St. Brown used to be in Green Bay. He didn't produce much for us, so we let him go. And the Bears, of course, picked him up. So, you know, they get sloppy seconds when it comes to him. And I like St. Brown. He's not a horrible player, but he didn't produce much in the Packers' offense. So I don't really like the Bears' skill position players. I like Justin Fields, though. They got to give him more to work with. Defensively, they still got Raquan Smith. Earlier in the offseason, he requested to be traded out of Chicago. He took it back. He's going to be at Chicago this year. Up front, you got Angelo Blackson, Justin Jones. Still got Robert Quinn. I like Robert Quinn a lot. In their back end, they got Eddie Jackson, who's nice. Kyler Gordon is decent. Jalen Johnson. So their defense is, is okay. It's okay. I think you can put up some points against that Bears defense. The over-under for the Chicago Bears is six and a half. I'm going under. I don't think they're going to win over six games. I think they're going to finish five and 12, maybe six and 11 at best. So I got to going. I got to go under. Let's go to the Detroit Lions. The over-under for the Detroit Lions is six and a half as well. And the Detroit Lions, they are led by Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell, I actually think he did pretty good in his rookie season. In his rookie season, as being first-year head coach in in Detroit, Dan Campbell, he his record was third, 3-13-1. So they won 20% of their games. They were last, last year in the NFC North. And they traded with the LA Rams last year and brought in Jared Goff. And Jared Goff is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Last year, this was Jared Goff's stats. Jared Goff, he had 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He had 3,245 passing yards. But at his best, at his core, Jared Goff is a game manager. We all know this. We all know this. Jared Goff is a game manager. And I actually like some of the Lions' skill position players at running back. They still got Jamal Williams. He's a former Packer. I like him at running back. You got DeAndre Swift as well in the backfield. At receiver, you got DJ Sharp. You got Josh Reynolds and Amon Ron St. Brown. And then at tight end, they got one of the best tight ends in the NFL in TJ Hawkinson. So I like him a lot. I really, really do. I like some of their skill position players. I do. But they got Jared Goff. And I don't expect Jared Goff to be able to get this team in contention for a playoff spot. I'm not going to spend much time talking about the Detroit Lions. I don't think they're a playoff team. Look at their over-under, say six and a half. I got it. I got them in under as well. I don't think they're going to win over six, six games. They'll finish six and 11, five and 12, similar to the Chicago Bears. So when I look at the NFC North as a whole, the Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions will be irrelevant. It's going to come down to the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Who are you going to take? With the money on the line and the chips to the front of the table, Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers? I'm going to bet on that bad man that is Aaron Rodgers. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to win the NFC North. I do believe the Minnesota Vikings will compete for a wild card spot. I think the Packers are going to finish either 12 and 5 or 13 and 4 again. I got Minnesota again finishing 9 and 8. At best, they'll finish 10 and 7. I think they got a shot at a wild card spot in the NFC. I really, really do. I think the Packers are going to still win the division, and I think the Packers are going to prove that in week one, Sunday afternoon in Minnesota. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys no Sports. Let's transition to Denver, and let's talk about the Denver Broncos as the Denver Broncos, they recently paid Russell Wilson a new Deal and gave him a new contract extension. Russell Wilson agreed to a five year, $245 million extension with the Denver Broncos. It includes $165 million guaranteed. The deal ties Russell Wilson to Denver for seven years, and it's, he's going to make $296 million over the course of this contract, according to Adam Schefter. My initial reaction to this deal was I think this was the right move. By the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are a team who have had quarterbacks the likes of Trevor Simeon, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. So it was a no brainer to sign Russell Wilson when you traded for him. They gave up the farm for Russell Wilson, and rightfully so. You look at the AFC West, in the AFC West alone, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Justin Herbert. You got Derek Carr, rest of the AFC. You got Joe Burrow. You got Lamar Jackson. In the AFC. you got Josh Allen. So if you are the Denver Broncos, you know in order to be true Super Bowl contenders, you have to pay Russell Wilson and pay him what he demands. Because you look at Russell Wilson. So far in his career, Russell Wilson has been in the NFL. And he's only had a losing season one time in his career. One time. That was last year. He finished six and eight. So he only played in 14 games last year. But the Seattle Seahawks were awful last year. They weren't competing for a playoff spot. And that was the only losing season in Russell Wilson's career. And for his career, Russell Wilson, 292 touchdowns, 87 interceptions, 37,059 passing yards. He's completed. of his passes so Russell Wilson is an upgrade over all of the previous quarterbacks that the Denver Broncos have had since Peyton Manning you got to pay Russell Wilson they had no choice but to pay Russ because they know in order to be to be true Super Bowl contenders you got to have Russell Wilson locked up and he's going to be the leader of your team moving forward not only that Russell Wilson is not only a great quarterback in the NFL, he's a great leader for your team. We always talk about when these owners pay players in the NFL, they're not only paying for the caliber of production that they're going to get from that particular player. They're also paying for the leadership. And can you be trusted? That's what's important here. Russell Wilson can be trusted by this Denver Broncos organization. And so I believe this is a move that you have to make. This is a move that you look at Russell Wilson as being, he's one of those guys who he's the first one in last guy to leave. And we know he got a lot of other priorities that he has to focus on with Sierra, with his family, but Russell Wilson during football season prioritizes football first. And if you are an organization Russell Wilson is a type of player that you don't mind giving money to because you can trust Russell Wilson. He's not going to get into no off-the-field trouble. You know he's going to be dedicated to your team, being able to win football games, and he's going to maximize the potential by the rest of your players on your team because they see that guy being the first one in and last guy out. And you see that from your quarterback, you're going to want to pay him, and you're going to want to get better. As a team. So I think the Denver Broncos have had to pay Russ, knowing the competition that they're going to be facing when it comes to quarterback in the conference. And then again, you're going to have him locked up until he's about 40 years old. I think he's going he to play another five years, six years. So you got Russ locked up for the next five or six years till he's 40. And more than likely, he's going to retire at Denver Broncos. We know Denver is a great destination. Four veteran quarterbacks like Peyton Manning. There was reports about Aaron Rodgers at one point when he had his rift with the Green Bay Packers organization, how he would have went to Denver and played. They got Nathaniel Hackett now, who's a new first-year head coach. I think it's going to help Nathaniel Hackett a lot, having a quarterback like a Russell Wilson lead his team, because now Nathaniel Hackett can focus on the other parts of his team, because he knows offensively, Russell Wilson will make sure everything is in order. So I think it's going to help the new first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, out a lot having Russell Wilson in Denver. So everybody gonna follow Wise Guys on Twitter at wiseguys underscore H, also on Facebook Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. at These guys know sports. Now I'm gonna preview the AFC West on Thursday night show because tonight is about the NFC North and the AFC South. But when I look at the Denver Broncos, I think having Russell Wilson on their team, they are legit contenders in the AFC West now. If they don't have a Russell Wilson on their team, when you got to go up against Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, you have no chance at being able to win the AFC West. No chance. So I think you locking in Russell Wilson, it gives your team a puncher's chance to compete in the AFC West and in the AFC as a conference overall. So I'm going to give my predictions for the AFC West on Thursday, but I I definitely believe that the Denver Broncos are a better team with Russell Wilson than they were in previous years without him. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys Instagram at these guys know sports. He's a columnist at Nashville Voice. Also a writer and reporter at Pro Player Insiders and a writer at Sports Awakening and host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. I want to welcome to the show, Mike Patton. What's up, Mike? How are you, brother?
1: What's going on, man? You can throw on there uh, Sports History in Black uh, as well for the uh, NABJ website, Black News
0: Reviews, too, man. I do, I do a lot, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you got a lot going on, man. I, I love it, man. But um, let's start off, man. Let's get right to it, man. Let's, let's talk about the NFC South. And so last year in the NFC South, Mike, the Titans they finished twelve and five. They lost in the divisional round of the playoffs to the Bengals. The Colts last year they finished nine and eight. They lost a Week eighteen matchup, missed the playoffs. Texans finished four and thirteen. Jaguars finished three and fourteen. And so I want to read the Vegas odds real quick. They got for the the winning division. They got the Colts' favorite, then they got Tennessee, they got Jacksonville, and they got the Texans. So let's start off with the Colts. They brought in Matt Ryan. They traded Carson Wentz to Washington. Do you believe the Colts trading for Matt Ryan is a move that will help them become a playoff team in the AFC?
1: I definitely think that that move allowed them to be a playoff team this year. With the addition of Matt Ryan, you have a smarter uh, quarterback in terms of thinking the game. He doesn't take as many chances, takes advantage of what the defense gives him, and is a coach on the field. Carson Wentz may have more ability, but he doesn't think the game quite as much as Matt Ryan. So that alone is going to make your team and offense better.
0: So when it comes to Matt Ryan as a quarterback, Mike, for his career, he got 367 touchdowns, 170 interceptions, 59,735 passing yards, completing 66% of his passes. You know, he won NFL MVP. Back in 2016, came up short in the Super Bowl after being up 28-3. to But do you believe that he has something left in the tank as an individual to have a bounce-back season in Indianapolis?
1: He has something left in the tank. Uh, You know, I I think his MVP days are definitely long gone. I definitely think he has something left in the tank. Uh, The question is, how many years does he have left in the tank? I think he at least has one. But past that, I, I can't give you a definite answer for what he has left in the tank,
0: to be honest. Yeah, because I always thought Matt Ryan, like, he's not elite like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, you know, like or 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 even a Patrick Mahomes. But I always thought Matt Ryan was a good quarterback that you could win a super bowl with. Kind of like Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson. Like I don't think they are necessarily elite, but I think they are good quarterbacks who you can win a Super Bowl with if certain things. Go your way. So I think he's definitely an upgrade, you know, at quarterback over Carson Wentz, especially because last year I thought Carson Wentz turned the ball over way too much.
1: It wasn't necessarily that he turned the ball over way too much because he, he didn't have a ton of interceptions. The thing was he had untimely turnovers. Yeah. Meaning they were just at the wrong times. So give you a prime example of that. I mean, he throws the ball to the the uh, the Titans when they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, win the game in overtime. He throws the ball and basically Kevin Byard basically baits him into that throw. Yeah, kicks that pass off. I mean, he makes some 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 just decisions that make you scratch your head when it comes to winning time. Like he's trying to be the hero instead of trying to do to make the right play. So that aspect of Carson Wentz is gone and moved on to the Washington Commanders, and now. Maybe they have a smarter quarterback in terms of those type of situations and Matt Ryan, which will kind of help them stay on, stay on schedule perhaps.
0: Agree, agree. Carson Wentz actually had seven interceptions last year, but he did have a few fumbles, <laughs> and you write about the horrible turnovers at bad times for the coach last year. Now, obviously, Mike, this team is led by running back, Jonathan Taylor, who was arguably the best running back in the NFL, and he had over a 1,000 yards rushing in the first two years of his career. 29 touchdowns so far as well. How does Jonathan Taylor's performance impact this entire Colts offense?
1: Well, it definitely impacts the offense because it puts everybody in positions to succeed. If the running game is working, of course, you know, that's provided the offensive line is healthy, you know, Quentin yeah. Nelson, you know, I want to point that. But, um, you know, it puts everything in perspective where the offensive line doesn't feel pressure to be a, a standout pass blocking offensive line, which you know, be, to be honest, they really aren't a standout pass blocking offense. Um, It puts the play action pass in there to give those tight ends extra room to get open, uh, give you wide receivers extra space uh, across the middle of the field and behind the linebackers as well. So it kind of everything works through Jonathan Taylor because it gives everyone else that little additional edge they need to kind of get open or make plays on their own. That's where I would say – yeah, Jonathan Taylor helps and affects that entire offense.
0: They got nice receivers. Pittman and Paris Campbell. I like Alec Pierce. You know, he played at the University of Cincinnati here in Cincy, you know, with uh, Luke Fickle. And so they got Moe, Ali Cox at tight end. Who do you believe will be Matt Ryan's most reliable target this season?
1: Honestly, it's going to be Michael Pittman Jr. by default. Because honestly, I know you mentioned Paris Campbell, but Paris Campbell can't stay healthy. Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest thing with him. If he can stay healthy, I'd be like, okay, cool, you can count on him. But yeah. um, you know, until he does that, I can't really say, hey, he's a reliable target. Um, as far as Alec Pierce, he's still growing and has some things to learn, so I can't necessarily say he'll be a dependable target. So by default, it'll be Michael Pittman Jr. and Mo Cox. You know, as as much as you know, they paid him to keep to stay there in Indianapolis, but has he really been a guy that's just like okay cool he's 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 gonna be a reliable pass catching guy i mean yeah. you know nah he's not necessarily that guy i would say that the guy behind him and uh johnny woods is the guy that eventually will take over and be the starting tight end but i don't know if it'll be this year yeah but definitely will will be next year in my opinion
0: yeah kylan grandson as well at tight end on that depth chart too so you know we'll see if he can also produce for them now let's switch size of the ball let's talk about their defense they're led by defensive coordinator gus bradley and they got shaquille leonard at linebacker they signed Stefan gilmore in free agency they still got divorce buckner and they got in up front as well and they are one of the they got one of the best slot corners in the nfl in kenny moore What's your expectations for this Colts
1: defense? Well, expectation is for them to be top ten at least this year. The biggest thing that's going to contribute to that, I would say, you know, they do have the pieces. You know, in Dawgway, you have Pei, you have the uh, force Buckner on on the the, the line. You have yeah. Shaquille Leonard. Uh, you have Okurake at, at linebacker. You have, you know, corners Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore, well, two of the top corners around. Only question I would have is uh, the safety spot and putting pressure. On the quarterback, because yeah. those are the two things that are going to be in question this year. I mean, you have a rookie that potentially is going to be starting at one of the safety spots. You don't really have a, a wealth of talent at the safety spot, just to be honest. Quiddy Pay, he's still trying to figure it out. Some say he figured it out towards the end of last year, but we got to see. And Dockway, I know he's talented, but he's been on what four teams in the past yeah. four or five years.
0: Only with the Raiders last That's year. Kinda,
1: he was with the Raiders last year. Yeah, yeah. he played for the, the defensive coordinator that actually is for the Colts now and Gus Bradley. So yep. that ought to be interesting in its own right, uh, being that he's playing in the same defense for the second year in a row. So that's the questions I have with that defense, but they do have the potential to be a top five defense, top 10
0: at the worst. Colts over and under is nine and a half. Are you taking the over or the under for the Colts win totals this season? What you got their final record being this year?
1: Uh, I'm taking over and I'm got I've got them at 11 and 6 this year to win the comp win the uh, division.
0: Okay. All right. Well let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Moving to the Bengals in the division around the playoffs. You know, they're led by Ryan Tannehill. Last year he had 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. It was awful, you know, in a playoff game against the Bengals. He definitely, you know, in my opinion, he cost the Titans a berth in the AFC championship last year. What are your expectations for Ryan Tannehill this year, Mike? I got the
1: opportunity to go out to uh, training camp and, and also to a OTA. Okay. And got, got a chance to see him perform. And he talked a lot about you know how the, the end of last year had attacks on him mentally. He actually yeah. did go to therapy, to be honest, to actually talk about it, go through it, and kind of get rid of it really? Really this year. And so he seems kind of a little bit different in terms of how he's carrying himself. Okay. Um, so. I would say that uh, going into this year, I kind of you know expect him to kind of revert back to the ten hill that, that took over when for, for Marcus Mariota uh, way back when. I don't think he'll be fully that guy, but I think he'll take back to that guy as opposed to being the guy we saw last year who was you know, making mistakes, uh, did have a bad playoff game uh, overall. So I think that'll be more the guy that you expect to see from him. And the thing that's also going to be interesting is – Looking at the variety of weapons that he has now, I know people have talked about the Tennessee Titans, they really don't have any weapons. They got rid of AJ Jones, AJ AJ Brown, yeah, be uh, a trade to the Philadelphia Eagles. They Julio Jones, they let him go in the offseason. And you know, who do they have? They have Robert Woods and they have Traylon Burks and Kyle, Kyle Phillips and yeah, and all these different guys. But I'm like, watching these guys work, it's good because you can't focus on one guy and all of these guys work uh and, and can have can be options to 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 have games and it well, actually moment. led
0: me to my next question there michael i'm actually one of those people <laughs> that has questions about titans receiving core i mean they traded a.j brown to the philadelphia eagles they traded for robert woods from the Rams. they got Line burks rookie receiver out of arkansas they got nick westbrook as well in the slot who do you believe will emerge as their number one receiver now that A.J. Brown is is, is in Philly? Like, who, who do you think is going to be that number one reliable target for Ryan Tannehill?
1: Well, honestly, uh, after talking to, uh, I, I did a Titans preview uh, last week, talking to Teron Davenport, who actually covers the team. And he brought up a very valuable point, a very great point, is that there may not be a number one receiver on this team. The reason, but that's the reason that's a good thing though is because you may have one guy step up one week, one guy step up the next week, and you have a variety of different weapons that can jump out there and do different things. Yeah. So, you know, in all actuality, there's not a number one wide receiver on the team, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either for them, because they have actually more weapons on this team than they had last year. Last year you had, you know, of course you have Derrick Henry, but you had aj brown you had julio jones and then you know nick westbrook mckinney and after that you really couldn't name anybody this year you have robert woods you have Traylon burst you have kyle phillips you have nick westbrook Kenny, you got race mcmath when he becomes healthy potentially a josh gordon if he's signed to the fifty-three man roster which he's on the practice squad now you have derrick henry you have a hilliard out the backfield uh, you have a Hooper at tight end, a Chickaquanku, a rookie out of Maryland at tight end. You have a lot of different variety of weapons uh, for the Titans this year offensively, and a lot of different vers- versatile weapons as well. So that's where I could say, you know, what to those that are like, "Oh, the wide receiver core, I've got questions." I mean, there was a lot of questions last year too. If, if, if you want to be honest, there was a lot of questions besides the third wide receiver until Westbrook
0: Kenny kind of proved himself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, when you look at Derrick Henry, you know, obviously many people believe that you can make a legit argument that Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL, Mike. He missed nine games last year because of a broken bone in his foot. He still had almost a 1,000 yards rushing. And so this is kind of a two-part question. One, how important is Derrick Henry to the Titans' offense being able to flourish? And also, do you believe, as the season goes along, do you believe Mike Vrabel, should try to you know, t- dial back some of his carries so you can have him for the latter part of the season once we get into December and January so he can be fresh come playoff time?
1: Well, the first part of the question, he's very important to this offense because they are a run-first offense. They've been that way going all the way back to the Eddie George days. I mean, they had a couple of years where McNair was putting up numbers, throwing the football, and where he was actually a co-MVP. With Peyton Manning, but other than that, they have been a run-first football team from the Eddie Georges to the uh, the Marco Murrays, the Chris Johnsons, and the Derrick Henrys, and so on and so forth. Um, So Derrick Henry is vital to this offense uh, because, like Jonathan Taylor, he is the engine behind the offense. He makes everything a little easier for everyone else around him, and you know it's ironic that both of these teams at the top of the division kind of mirror each other. Yeah. But, um, you know, definitely that's uh, he's very important in offense. And, uh, you know, he's going to be key to a lot of different things they do. It's going to be interesting also to see this year how the versatile pieces, they put those in motion around Derrick Henry. And if he's always the key to everything as the season goes on, that'll be key to watch. Um, As far as the second question, dialing things back, Derrick Henry is a volume running back. Derek is not a guy that's going to give you 10 carries and he's going to go for 115 yards. He's not a guy like Chris Johnson that could give you like 10, 15 carries and they go for 160 yards and they call it a day. He's a guy that wears and wears and wears on you because those two or three yard runs in the first half turn into six, seven, 10 yards and then that big one in the second half. Yeah, you Notice most of his long runs always come in the second half of the game where teams are tired of tackling him. Absolutely. So to me, I would say they're probably not going to dial back on his carries. Uh, Sure, it would be nice to throw Hilliard in there, and they do have uh, a guy from uh, Michigan this year as a uh, backup running back. His name is escaping me right now. I don't know why. But anyway, they do have a lot more depth in the running back room, so they can potentially give him breaks, and they do have a a gentleman that can come in there and and do some of the same things that he does, maybe not quite as big as Derrick Henry, which, by the way, he is bigger this year. A lot of different reports, and from what I've seen, he definitely really? does look bigger. Yeah. Yes, he looks bigger. That'll be interesting in all right. and plus, he's plus he's not the the most. Uh, I wouldn't say he's not uh, he's unhappy, but he's not. He feels like he's got something to prove. He just it just seems like he's got something to prove this yeah. year more than anything. Which you know is different from previous years with Derrick Henry and, and the success he's had. So. You know, that'll, that part would be interesting, but I don't expect the dial back of carries to happen.
0: I don't expect that. Wow, man, that's going to be interesting to see, man. A, a, a motivated Derrick Henry? Oh, it's going to be scary for some opposing defense. Well, up nothing he's already, nothing he
1: isn't motivated. I don't want to put it out there that he's not motivated, but, you know, he's uh, got a little more extra incentive, I should say.
0: Yeah, yeah, playing with a chip on the shoulder. I definitely understand that. I think you, you're probably talking about yeah. Hassan Haskins. Yes, Haskins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think he, yeah he's on that depth chart as well. So you so do you expect him to be able to have an impact on the Titans' offense this year? Uh,
1: I don't expect him to have a big impact on the offense because God, Hilliard is the backup running back. Hilliard's the yeah. guy that's going to come in. Uh, I don't expect him to take over series or anything like that. But you know, coming on third down, maybe uh, you know run yeah. a few things out of backfield stuff like that, maybe a draw, things like that. But you know Derrick Henry's the man of this offense at the running back position and everyone else is on the fall line. I believe Haskins has the ability to actually do things that Derrick Henry does in terms of lining up there. But the caveat to that is he's actually proven to be a better pass catcher than the Titans, I think, may have realized.
0: Okay. Okay, because I think actually last year, if I'm not mistaken, Haskins, he had a, a great game in the season finale against Ohio state for the Michigan Wolverines. I, th- I think he had a, a great outstanding game last year in that game. So uh, let's talk about the offensive line. One of the better offensive lines in the NFL led by center Ben Jones. They got guard Aaron Brewer and right guard Nate Davis, left tackle Taylor Lewan and right tackle Nicholas Pettit. So what are your expectations for the Tennessee Titans offensive line this year?
1: It's definitely a little bit different offensive line because of course gone, uh, are the vets up front? They they definitely lost a vet up front to Buffalo Bills this offseason. season. Yeah. Uh, T. Carrere, uh, beat out Dylan Radens to gain the starting right tackle spot. He is a rookie from our left tackle spot. I'm sorry, he's a rookie from Ohio State. So he actually uh, ended, ended up beating Dylan Radens out at that position to get that spot. So it's going to be a little bit different. Aaron Brewer's uh definitely different than Saffold, is what I was I was I was getting to. Yeah. But Saffold got released this offseason and he's playing for Buffalo Bills. But he's smaller than Saffold, but he gets in there and gets little fits. I, I was listening to uh, Teron Davenport again, uh, who covers the team and does a great job. Um, he actually was talking about the differences between Saffold and Brewer. And, and Saffold is a guy that's just a mauler, going to get in there and blow people out of holes. Brewer's yeah. more a smaller guy, a positional guy that actually gets in there and walls people off for holes. So the hole might not be quite as big but it's still a hole there. Uh, So that'll be an interesting thing to watch to see how Derrick Henry adjusts to a different uh, set of people blocking for him and how Petit Ferrer deals with being a guy that's more than likely going to be targeted because he is a rookie playing tackle
0: in the NFL. So that'll be
1: interesting to watch. I think they'll still be solid, but they're going to have their moments in
0: life. He's a columnist at the Nashville Voice, also a writer and reporter at Pro Player Insiders and the host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. Joining me tonight on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network is Mike Patton. Mac, let's switch gears and talk defense for the Tennessee Titans. Defensively, they are led by Shane Bowen, and most people believe they will be a top-five defense with their dominant front seven, led by Jeffrey Simmons. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. They did lose Harold Laundry to a torn ACL. So that's going to be devastating for that defense, but they still got Bud Dupree who was a good pass rusher and their secondary led by free safety, Kevin Bayard and Amani hooker. So what is your expectations for the Titans' defense this year?
1: Well, I will say this, uh, the Harold Landry injury to a torn ACL was, uh, last Wednesday at practice and, uh, you know, definitely a big loss. Uh, Ken Byer did talk about it, and he talked about you know, of course they do have to move forward, but you know he didn't want to just jump over it and talk about you know, and you know, talk about the injury, it, you know, losing one of his his brothers on the field. Yeah, but they do have a young man and Rashad Weaver that is chopping at the bit to replace him. And this young man missed a lot of last year, so this is almost like his rookie year over again. They're very excited about him, so now he gets extended playing time. And to be honest, I believe he could come in and actually produce eight to 10 sacks potentially. Okay. Go along with him. Then you have Jeffrey Simmons, of course. You have Bud Dupree, who actually is healthy to start the year. Last year, he did talk about how he didn't really feel kind of healthy until the end of the year, the last game of the regular season. Yeah. So this year he come in, he's fully healthy the entire year. You know, the back end of the defense is going to be interesting as well. But they're going to be a defense that's going to be a a top five defense, in my opinion, just because of the different levels, the different experience at the different levels, which, of course, it is overlooked that they do have Zach Cunningham and David Long Jr., who are very speedy linebackers, very smart linebackers, and guys that can make plays and big pops as well. So they have experience, explosiveness, and they have Playmakers at all three levels, which is a key
0: element for being a top five defense. Absolutely. And I think last year was Bud Dupree's first season, you know, after he suffered a torn ACL the year before. So, yeah, it, it, it takes a while to get back. And so that's interesting. He said he wasn't way, you know, feeling 100 percent healthy until the last game of the season. What level of this tight defense will be the strength of the team?
1: Mike. You got your front three and your outside linebackers. Those will be the strength of this team because last year, if you notice, they didn't really blitz a lot. They really got pressure with their just their front. Yeah, and that's going to be the key. If they're having to blitz to get pressure, then that leaves young corners out there on the island. You have got Caleb Farley, uh, who's of course being healthy for this year, and I will say he noticeably looks bigger as well. He knows he put on a little bit more weight since he was out with his ACL in terms of not not bad weight but good weight in terms of muscled up things like that. Yeah he say he's about 190, but I would say yeah, he looks bigger than that. But he still can move. Uh, so it'll be uh probably him starting out the season. You will see Roger McCreary in the rookie from Auburn in, in the mix. And then also of course Christian Fulton who's probably a little bit more than one a more uh, a little bit Underrated to me because he he is definitely talented and kind of held down being the number one corner without officially being the number one corner for them uh, last season. So uh, that'll be the front four that got to be effective because you don't want to leave those those corners out there on islands all the time. And of course, with uh, you know a little bit of youth out there, you don't want to do that because you know for those that aren't aware, Kevin Bard and Amani Hooker, those are probably your your vets in in the. secondary everybody yeah. else is pretty young
0: yeah yeah for sure offensively or defensively mike what's the one thing that has to happen for the titans to have a successful season one thing that that you would pinpoint that has to happen for this team to be successful this year
1: offensively i'd say value the football can't have Tanner Hill out here trying to over the football can't have any fumbles Got to take care of the football in order to win games. I, I saw, probably sound like Mike Vrabel. <laughs> as far as defensively, uh, getting pressure with your front, that's going to be huge. That's going to be a key to the season. Last year, they were one of the best in NFL of getting pressure without having the blitz. This year, I believe they can do some of the same things. I will tell you also, Jeffrey Simmons is slimmer this year. He's not 300-some-odd pounds this year. He's, he's a little slimmer this year than he was last year, but that's uh, – with the uh, kind of the assumption of trying to, I guess, uh, get a little bit more quicker into the backfield. He still has the power, uh, per him.
0: Yep. But
1: he's uh, wanting to get quicker in the backfield and be able to make plays, not just sack the quarterback, but be able to strip the football as well. So that's one thing he's kind of trying to add to his repertoire this year, which if he's able to do that along with the rest of this front, it's going to be mighty tough days for a lot of the
0: people. Now, before I get to your prediction for the Titans this year, Mike, I got to ask you about Malik Willis because Ryan Tannehill was so awful in that playoff game. I mean, defensively, I think the Titans sacked Burrow at least seven times in that game. Nine, 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 okay, nine. All right. Well, they they sacked Burrow nine times in that game. Usually, if your defense, you know, is able to get nine sacks, normally that means you win playoff games. And so I thought Ryan Tannehill, you know, single-handedly handed the Bengals their ticket to the AFC championship game. I thought throughout the offseason, Ryan Tannehill honestly should have been ashamed to show his face, you know, in the city of Nashville. That's how bad he was in that playoff game. If Tannehill struggles during the season, do you think there's any chance or a possibility that we see Malik Willis this season?
1: I know a lot of people are not going to like to hear this, but no. Okay. This is the, Unless there's like a special package for him, no. The reason why I say that is this. Uh, you want to put Malik Willis in the best chance to succeed. I know he's done some great things in the preseason. I know he's made some spectacular plays, but also you have to remember, he is a rookie. Yeah. I don't care if he was supposed to have a first-round grade or not. He is still a rookie. He's coming from an offense that was a one read offense at Liberty to an offense where he has to go through multiple reads and then get down the field or do what he's going to do. That doesn't happen overnight. Now, I will also say that he has grown since he has been here. Now, you know, of course, uh, from some things like accuracy to calling the plays to you know being able to diagnose things on the field, he's grown in that arena. But if you put him out here as a rookie, you're not doing him a a great service as well in terms of his career. I believe that next year will probably be the year for him to take over, but not this year. Let him sit, let him learn, let him grow, and then go from there. Because if you put him out there before he's ready, then you take a really big chance of – ruining ruining him and then you're back drafting another quarterback again and then waiting in another year and then doing this and doing that. Yeah. So the only reason I the only way I see him taking the field is if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt. That's the only way I see him taking the field and, and even at that point it will be a probably a toned down offense that he'll be running. So that's what I, I see. That's what I know. I know a lot of people are like Ryan Tannehill this Ryan Tannehill that Ryan Tannehill that but I'm like this look at folks. Yeah. There <laughs> he is. He has the biggest cap hit in the NFL yeah. as quarterback. He was not going anywhere even if you wanted him to go anywhere. Right. So you just got to suck it up and take it. Now this offseason after this one, I could see that coming, but not not this off This past offseason
0: season. No. And a lot of times though, Mike, too these these quarterbacks who perform well in these preseason games, these these rookie quarterbacks that perform well, in these preseason games, you got to take it with a grain of salt because they're going up against backups. They're going up against a lot of dudes who not not even going to be on the team once week one comes. So you got to think about that. And take that in consideration as well. So that that's also important. So Titans over under at nine and a half. Are you taking the over or the under for the Titans win totals this year? What you got their record at?
1: I'm taking the over, and I'm taking ten and seven for the Titans this year. Ten
0: and seven. Okay, playoff team
1: yes Ooh, okay. wild card okay okay
0: okay now got a couple more questions for you i ain't got much left mike because we got the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> in the in houston texas so i ain't got much left but let's start off with jacksonville they finished 3 and 14 last year they brought in a super bowl winning head coach in doug peterson they are only favored in two games this season What are your expectations for the jacksonville jaguars
1: honestly i think they will be better honestly think that the jacksonville jaguars will be a more professional looking team this year of course that's just going to be on the strength of the coach not being into shenanigans like he was last uh, season doug peterson's not that guy also (laughs) <laughs> this offseason, they did take a chance on bringing more playmakers in. You brought in Zane Jones. You brought in Christian Kirk. Say what you want about him, but hey, he, he's more competent than what they he
0: overpaid. Have. They paid him a lot of money. I,
1: I hear you there. But yeah. also, what I will tell you is, is that he's only uh, accounting for a base salary of about $1.5 this year. So, you know, take that into consideration as you think about all the pieces that they got around him. Technically, yeah. his deal is only a two-year, $39 million deal. And with the one and a half million that he's getting this year and you also have to factor in the signing bonus so when you break all those factors down it doesn't seem quite as bad even though it is bad <laughs> so and then also of course i i would say that you know the, the biggest weapon i think they took a chance on bringing in evan ingram's talented that's without question he, he definitely can can run routes like a wide receiver you know he's a tight end biggest thing with him is actually seeing and catching the football yeah. I think he knows this is his time to shine. He's on a one-year deal. He's got a chance to make big money. That 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 uh, cap is going to be going up with TV yeah. money. And the biggest thing is Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence's biggest weapon he used last year, the tight end Dan Arnold. Yeah, replace Dan Arnold with a more capable tight end. Hey, you might have some action
0: going. I actually liked the Jaguars' move, and I think they upgraded. Obviously, it wasn't too. It wasn't. It, you know, it wasn't nothing that it wasn't nothing that they had to do to improve drastically. Because, I mean, you go from they what they had, Urban Meyer last year. It was a mess last year down there in Jacksonville to Doug Peterson. I like Doug. Mike, I really, really do. I mean, for his career, 42, 37 and one. So he's won 53 percent of his games. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, for crying out loud. So I like Doug. I, I like Doug. And I think he's going to help with the progression of a Trevor Lawrence. So uh, what do you believe that Doug Peterson is going to bring to that Jacksonville Jaguars team for them to improve this year? Well,
1: definitely professionalism. Um, and and one thing I definitely will say, he can tutor Trevor in terms of kind of seeing the field a little better because, you know, he, as you mentioned, uh, Nick Foles there winning a Super Bowl, which I actually was covering that Super Bowl, by the way. He also turned Carson Wentz into a MVP level quarterback. I would say that, he could definitely do some of the same things potentially with Trevor Lawrence. I know people are gonna say it's Jacksonville. I know, but Trevor Lawrence is, is still a talented quarterback. It doesn't matter what uniform you put on. Yeah. So I, I would say that the you know he's definitely gonna do that. And then the biggest thing I would say is the running game. The commitment to the running game, I think, is going to be huge, especially with the upgrades. You bring in the Brandon Sheriff from Washington Commanders. You sign Cam Robinson to a new deal. You draft a center out of Kentucky to be your starting center more than likely. They they committed to being better up front, and I think that running game with Etienne and James Robinson is going to be hugely key and a good thing for the jaguars under doug peterson provided he uses
0: it a lot yeah
1: right he used it
0: now trevor lawrence as a young quarterback in the nfl mike last year 12 touchdowns 17 interceptions 3641 passing yards he completed 60 of his passes he was a rookie it was his first season so obviously he struggled but you know do you believe in trevor lawrence you know as a franchise quarterback and you know, what do you believe that he has to improve on specifically in his sophomore season so he can be better than he was in his rookie season? Well,
1: I definitely believe he can be a, a franchise quarterback. I mean, he has all the ability in terms of the tools and things like that. Um, The one thing I would think, you know, a couple things he needs to improve on, just his selection in terms of what he throws and what he doesn't throw. Somebody was uh, showing a film about him throwing the football, and it was a Beautiful pass, and he barely got it over the outstretched arm of a defender with his wide receiver catching it right over the top of him. Now, beautiful pass, but is he going to take a chance to do that every single game? Right. If he's going to take a chance to do that every single game, then he might end up with the same numbers he had last year, which isn't good. Um, I think with Doug, he'll kind of pare things down a little bit for him, bring him down, kind of understand, hey, take what the defense can give you. you cool go to take a shots from time to time, yeah. Take calculated ones, not not careless ones. So, with that being said, uh, you know he'll definitely take the more calculated shots and definitely kind of grow more towards that franchise player to me. And if you like, you know I definitely got a, a touchdown interception uh, prediction for him too. What you got? What you got? Twenty
0: five touchdowns this year, and I got mm, maybe ten to twelve interceptions. Okay, that would be a a significant improvement from his rookie season to his sophomore season for Trevor Lawrence.
1: Definitely, that's just about. That just speaks to the belief I have that the Jacksonville Jaguars not be as bad as they were last year.
0: What's their <laughs> record? What what you got them finishing at? Their record going to be this year, Mike?
1: All right, I've got them uh, finishing eight and nine this year.
0: Wow, what you got them at eight nine? Major improvement than it was previous last year. And last that's a major improvement, Mike. The well,
1: they've team. got talent. I mean, they've got okay. talent. Defensively, they've added some talent too. I think uh, Cisco at the safety spot. No. Not Cisco from Drew Hill, Cisco from Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. At the safety spot. But yeah, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a, a big addition, I believe, to that defense. Then you also got you got Griffin, you've got Tyson Campbell, you've got Williams, you bring in from the uh Rams to play cornerback for them. That's three pretty solid corners in its own right. You have Olaquan, you bring in from, from the uh Falcons to play your middle linebacker spot. Yeah. trayvon walker you put him there on your defense long defensive line and the last time that josh allen no not josh allen buffalo josh allen in jacksonville the last time josh allen had a comparable you know defensive uh, guy on the opposite side of him to, to provide pressure which ironically is in dockway that's in indianapolis he had 10 and a half sacks that was his rookie yeah. season now he has somebody opposite him so I think uh, Mr. Allen gets loose
0: on that opposite side, and
1: he's going to get double-digit sacks this year, in my opinion.
0: Man, that's that's eight and nine is impressive for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville. I know. I
1: said I said it with my chest, man. Read my shirt; it says on yeah, the phrase. I
0: see it uh, for sure. Now we only got a few more minutes, but we got a few more minutes. That's all we need to give the Houston Texans. That's how bad they're going to be. I recently listened to your podcast on mm-hmm. touring the AFC South, and you had on AJ Jones. And he's an insider, you know, down there in Houston. And y'all discussed the Houston Texans in depth. And y'all talked about the drama surrounding the organization with David Cully in the front office. And you had the Deshaun Watson situation. This year, I think Texans fans, they're more than anything, they are praying to be drama free. Uh, That's the main thing for them. They got Lovey Smith now, you know, in his first year as head coach. What are your expectations for Lovey Smith as the head coach in Houston?
1: Well, Lovey Smith is gonna be more of a caretaker of this team. He's more of a he's more in tune with his players, I would say, uh, than uh a Bill O'Brien. I can't say that David Coley was or wasn't in tune with players. I think the players love playing for him. It just the organization wasn't necessarily bought to him. I think in this instance, the organization is bought to Lovey and the players are in tune with him. So you kind of get the best of both worlds from yeah. Different different places. I think you can expect a a guy that's going to have his players leave it all on the field every single game. A guy that's going to be a stand up guy, and he's just going to be a coach's coach on that team. So you know they they're they're bought into him apparently. So hey, I'm I'm rooting for for Lovey to at least uh, you know get more than one season
0: because we don't want another David Coley situation. Again. <laughs> agree, agree. A couple more questions for you on the. Houston he Texans, he's a columnist at the Nashville Voice, also a writer and reporter at Pro Player Insiders and a writer at Sports Awakening, host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. He's Mike Patton joining me tonight on Wise Guys on the Worldwide Sports Network. So, Mike, offensively, Texas, they're led by David Mills. In his rookie season, he had 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He had 2,164 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. He only played in 11 games. He replaced Tyrod Taylor. How do you feel about how Mills performed last year and what's your expectations for him
1: this season? Well, the biggest word that comes to mind is inconsistent. I mean, he had uh, but he's a rookie, so that was to be expected. Yeah. He had a few games where he came out and you know, hey, you he like, hey, maybe this guy has something. In other games, you're like, okay, those four interceptions, you're like, Oh, he, he ain't it. Apparently, in this this offseason, he came in with a little bit more uh, I guess, swagger to him. Uh a guy that Knows he is the starting quarterback for this season at least, so you expect a little bit more of focus, a little bit more direction in terms of him being the leader of the offense, uh, and well, the de facto leader because he's the quarterback. But yeah, so I expect him to kind of be a little bit more decisive with things because he he knows the offense. He does have Pep Hamilton as his offensive coordinator, who did develop yeah, Andrew Luck, by the way, folks. Yeah. So that's going to help him as well in terms of his development. So I would expect him to go out here and, and, and kind of build upon how he did last year, maybe cut down on the mistakes and do a few more things with the football. Do I expect it leads to a ton of wins? No. Yeah. Do I expect him to be better? Potentially. Does he have the ability? Yes, he has the ability. But we'll see if that turns out to be know numbers wise better a better season for him or not
0: now i heard you mike i heard you say that brandon cooks is the best receiver in the afc south and initially initially mike i was like what but honestly mike the more i thought about it i had to agree with you i'm like what not like he actually got a point there like he got a valid point brandon cooks is the best receiver in the afc south especially now with the departure of A.J. Brown now you know, being in Philadelphia. And so who do you believe in this Texans offense is going to be another reliable target for David Mills besides Brandon Cook?
1: Honestly, that's still to be written. Uh, From talking to uh, A.J. about the Texans, Nico Collins hasn't necessarily stepped up the way they thought he would. He kind of ended the season on a high note, but he didn't start the offseason in this preseason. On the high note, he left. Kind of hurts that uh, John Mitchie's not going to be out there. You know, uh, prayers up for him as he battles cancer. Brevin Jordan, a guy that they don't, they're kind of not. You know, they don't know what they're going to get from him. Yeah, uh, but I will say this is an opportunity for OJ Howard. They just signed him, so this is an opportunity for Mister OJ Howard to kind of go back to his Alabama days catching the football. So yeah, this could potentially be a place where he thrives. And it's an opportunity for him to make some money. So that's a guy I would say that could potentially step up and be the guy. Uh, other than that, you know, it, it's a mixed bag when it comes to the wide receiver room.
0: Uh, and the guys that could step up and potentially make plays outside of Brandon Cooks. So what are your your win totals for the Houston Texans this year, Mike? What you got What you got them finishing that?
1: Uh, I know I'm probably going to blow your mind with this one, but I, I got them winning five games. There's wow. a the reason wow. why. They do have Damian Pierce running the football. I'm not sold on him, by the way. Uh, I know he's a rookie. Yeah. I know he's done a lot of great things, but he's doing a lot of great things, like A.J. said, against guys that are trying to make the team, right? not guys that have already made the team. So right. we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I think David Smith will have some moments this year that will help them win some games. And I also you got to also remember the defenses that the Lovey, Lovey Smith has also been around. Remember the things that he likes to do. He likes to create turnovers. Yeah. His defense, he has Jerry Hughes, a veteran defensive end. He has Grenard on the opposite side, who was their leading sack guy. they didn't have sacks, but only played like 11 games last year, I think. A few different other players, assortment of players, of course, you know, more notably uh, Derek Stingley uh, Jr. and Jalen Petrie, who are the rookies, which yeah. are from, of course, LSU and Baylor, respectively. So those guys are kind of built in the lovey mode. And the lovey mode is cover, create turnovers. I yeah. think they're going to have a couple games where they show out. They make crucial, crucial turnovers, and I think that'll help them win some games. I think that alone will get them to at least five wins. And if you look at their schedule, it isn't like they're they're playing against the most dominant of dominance. They
0: do have, you know,
1: a, a weaker schedule because they were a weaker team last year.
0: Yeah, five and twelve for the Texans. You got the. Jaguars finish at eight and nine, so you got a competitive AFC South. So just so in all in, in totality, Mike. So so everyone knows you got the Colts winning the division, correct? Right. You got them eleven
1: and six. Eleven and six. The Colts won the division. They got the Titans at ten and seven. Colts and, uh, excuse me, the Jaguars at 8 and 9, and the Texans bringing up the rear at 5 and 12. Now, I will say this. It's going to be a interesting-looking 8 and 9 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's yeah. not going to be one that's going to just stand out and be like, wow. It's going to kind of throw you off
0: at the end of the year and be like,
1: wow, they won eight games.
0: You know, it's going to be one that kind of, you're going to respond like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're going to stick up on some people. And so you got the coach and the Titans, both playoff teams in the AFC.
1: Right. I think they both have what it takes to be in the playoffs this year. I think the biggest thing that, that, that always puzzles me at times about the Titans in terms of people that look at the Titans is they don't always understand their mentality. The, the mentality of the Titans is, you know, the team, when people don't believe in them, that's when you get the best out of them, to be honest. Yeah. I think this year you're going to get some of the best out of some players that you probably wouldn't think of. Be like, hey, that guy played a little better than what I thought he did. This guy did this. You know, stuff like that.
0: You're more likely going to see happen. Yeah. I don't know. My AFC gonna be tough. I got the coachman in the division. I think the Titans mm-hmm. are going to struggle this year. I think they're going to take a step back.
1: Well, they are going to take a step back, just they're going to step back two games, but still make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, but it's all, the competition is stiff in the A, in the AFC. My Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos—all four of those teams are teams that could be playoff teams in the AFC North. Mm-hmm. You got the Bengals. And the Ravens, I don't think the Browns, without Deshaun Watson for 11 games, but they got a complete team. We know the Buffalo Bills are a playoff team. In the
1: NFL, there are 16 teams. Half of them make the playoffs. So somebody's going to slip up. Somebody's going to get beat down in the AFC West that we're not thinking about. And in the AFC North, they don't call it the black and blue division for nothing. That's true.
0: Hey, Mike, let everybody know where they can find you at on social media and find your show.
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at mikepadn 82 That's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-O-N-82. Uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram at T H A. Underscore in general, underscore MP. You never know who could pop up on my show. I definitely got a good one for you Friday. I'm not going to tell who it is yet, but I got a good one for you Friday. He's a
0: columnist at the Nashville Voice, writer and reporter at Pro Player Insiders, writer at Sports Awakening, and host of the Touring the AFC South podcast. Does great work. He's Mike Patton. Mike, I appreciate you coming on Wise Guys tonight and talking to AFC South. I'm going to definitely bring you back on you know, later on in the season and talk more football with you.
1: Yes, sir. Definitely. Thank you for having me.
0: Appreciate you. That was my man, Mike Patton, joining me on Wise Guys Sports. Everybody go and follow touring the AFC South podcast on all social media platforms. Follow him on the Apple podcast app and also Spotify as well. Mike's doing a great thing with that podcast, talking about the AFC South, goes in depth about the Indianapolis Colts, the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow the Wise Guys Instagram. At these guys No sports. I got to sign off here on Thursday, previewing the NFL season. Won't be no NBA on Thursday night show. It's it's gonna be all NFL. It's gonna be my NFL preview for the 2022 NFL season on Wise Guys Sports. I'm gonna get my predictions for the NFC West, the AFC North, and the AFC West. Those are divisions that I haven't been able to preview yet, and I'm also. Going to give everybody my playoff teams and my expectations for the AFC and the NFC, and who I believe will be playing in the Super Bowl in Arizona in February. That's all going to be on Thursday night show. Also, I'm going to preview the Buffalo Bills and the LA Rams matchup Thursday night in Los Angeles. So it's going to be a great show on Thursday night. Call into the show 513-203-8655 on Thursday night. Remember, you can listen to the Wise Guys podcast on all the podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, if you've got an iPhone, and so forth. I'm Trey Larkin signing off on this Tuesday night. Happy Taco Tuesday. Enjoy your night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.